Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is archived for free in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com, where you'll also find Amazon links to purchase the music that you hear on the show, and a little bit of that comes back to the Jazz Session. And you'll find a donate button if you'd like to give something back directly for the music and the interviews that you've heard. I would appreciate it. Also, if you think that you or a business uh, you are a part of or are aware of might be interested in sponsoring the Jazz Session, please do contact me. You'll find a contact page at thejazzsession.com, and it's got uh, all of the relevant information, and I'd love to talk to you about signing on as a sponsor of the Jazz Session. My guest today is the pianist Jimmy Amade. He has gone through uh, an amazing series of uh, really debilitating physical ailments, uh, mostly centered on his hands uh, and some very acute uh, tendon issues that really kept him from playing for more than a few minutes at a time for years and years. And so, uh, as you'll hear in this interview, he just practiced in his head and over the course of years was able to record one album after another, often just doing the recordings a few minutes at a time. You're going to hear selections from Jimmy's new recording, which is called Kindred Spirits, which features a number of special guests, including Lee Konitz, Joe Lovano, and Lou Tobacken. And uh, here's the lead-off track featuring Joe Lovano. This is the classic Just Friends. My guest is pianist, arranger, composer, educator Jimmy Amade. He and uh, his trio with special guests, and I, I don't know if that goes quite far enough, uh, Lee Konitz, Joe Lovano, and Lou Tobacco 
have got a brand new album called Kindred Spirits, and it's my pleasure to welcome Jimmy to the show. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you very much for calling. Well, let's, uh, let's start right off and uh, talk a little bit about uh, the folks who you surround yourself with. And, and for years now, you've uh, surrounded yourself with uh, certainly one of the best rhythm sections in the business in, in Steve Gilmore and Bill Goodwin, uh, both of whom make uh, return appearances here, uh, along with another bassist, Tony Marino. Can you talk a little bit about uh, how you first decided to, to use Steve and Bill, who are just a, a great complement to your playing? Well, about 13 years ago... I decided to try to play and see if I could record because almost 40 years went by without me playing. And I had my hands rebuilt six times. And uh, it took me five years to get up to playing 12 minutes. Uh, That was like a minute a day for like 15 months, then three minutes a day for 15 months. I'll make a long story short. I called that rhythm section because Nick Brola, Nick, Nick Brignola, um, who was um, a good friend of mine and did a lot of recordings with Phil Wood, said, listen, I think you ought to try to play even with your bad hands, but just try to play a couple of minutes a day and hopefully you can make a recording for four or five minutes. Well, I called them on the phone. They knew of me, but they didn't know anything about my playing because I was off the scene. I mean, I've been known for my teaching, my writing books for 40 years because they're used all over the world. But I said, look, I'm going to try to play. I can only play two and a half, three minutes the most. So make a long story short, I called each one of them three times a year for five years because it took me five years to be able to get to 12 minutes to be able to play. And I knew they probably thought I was crazy because I would call each one three times a year to say, look, I'm getting close and close. Well, by the fifth year, I said, look, I just finished my 13th tune for the album. That would take me almost four months to record a tune. I needed 16 to 18 weeks to heal in between. And I could only play. When, once I started playing, it was a go. They were all first take. And then WHYY happened to set up my home so I could record. So all I had to do was push a button. So when it was one morning, it was like Friday morning, about 10 minutes before, and I couldn't sleep. I came downstairs and I played a Who Can I Turn To? And I got through the tune and I screamed upstairs to Lou and said, Lou, I just finished playing. I just played. I mean, it's the first time I could ever play a tune from beginning to end. And it was like 4 o'clock in the morning. And that started it. Then... It took me four and a half more years working like that, every 16 weeks recording just one tune. And I finally called the guys, got them together uh, at Red Rock Studio. And we went to the studio, and we spent uh, 14 hours. They put their parts to my music. Now, you have to remember, before I played with that rhythm section, uh, you know, I played with Woody's band. Uh, I played with Red Ronnie. I took Al Haig's place. I played with Charlie Ventura. Uh, I was Mel Termes, the communist. So, you know, I had experience playing, but you can't play when you have no hands. So I couldn't use my hands, and I was in the midst of all that surgery. And, you know, I, after I called them, I had still had three more operations afterwards. So we finally recorded. We got to the studio. We started at 10 o'clock, got down to 12, quarter of 12, and I didn't touch the piano. Uh, they had 120 pages of music. And they put their parts to the music. And the music sounded live because when I play, 
I play in my head, and I've been playing in my head for almost 54 years. Even though nobody heard me play, I heard me play, and I play every day. I'm always in shape to play, just that my hands, when they're bad, they're bad, and that's it. So I thought about them. I, I, I knew the feel. I knew what I wanted. So when I got all done making each of the tunes, I wrote the parts out, and I gave them each 13 pieces of music. And it took us like 14 hours to put it together. When we got done, at quarter of 12 at night, I said, look, fellas, I haven't touched the piano for 40 years. I want to play a tune. Let's do one live. They say, what do you want to play? I said, look, I've been thinking of a tune for 40 years. I said, if I ever play again, I want to play. Here's that rainy day. I said, let's play in the key of G. And he said, well, what do you want to play for an intro? I said, look, just give me a pedal D. He said, how about a turn back? Just give me a pedal D, and we'll go from there. I didn't even touch the piano. He come over, touched the piano, the tune is piano. I don't want to waste anything. I didn't play one note. We played that tune, and I played the entire tune, one take. And what you hear when I played that first trio album, and that was live. That's the first time I ever played with anybody in those 40 years. And then I said, fellas, don't go anywhere. Let's do another tune. Now, my hands are killing me because I can't play longer than five, six minutes. I did another tune. I sketched out something. I would play the Getting Sentimental Over You, and I recorded that tune, and we did those two tunes live. Well, I did those two tunes live. By the time it was done, it was like after 1 o'clock. There were one shot apiece. There were no rehearsals. I just gave him ahead of something. There's no arrangement. I just said, look, this is a tune. or solo. I look at me. I put my hand up. You take a chorus. Take a chorus. We'll go out. And this is what we did. So I played two tunes. My whole life changed. I went home so sore. I was in bed for about a week because I couldn't lift my arms up. Because I never played eight, ten minutes straight through. You know, yes, it was five years of playing. It's just like 95 now. You know what? It's going to take me 13 years to do an album. I can't do that. No way. I'm going to have to try to play live. And I'm going to try to go down and play at least one or two tunes live. 
So we tried to go down. I set up something about six months later because I had to get six, seven injections in my hands. And those shots are brutal. And you can't play. You can't play with them and you can't play without them. So what happened was I went down, I played two tunes, and it was, oh, it was excruciating. I said, you know what, fellas? That cuts it down to six years. That's not going to do it. I'm coming back here. Let's take four or five months off. I got to heal. I'm going to go back to the hospital now. You know, I took, I would take a nurse with me. I would go to the hospital. I would get injections. I said, look, we're going to try to record four tunes at a time, and we're going to try to get through an album. So that's what I did. And ever since then, I've been doing two sessions almost a year. Sometimes I need two sessions in 16 months. I got up to seven albums now. And this is what happened. This is how I got to play. Now I can go to a recording studio and I can play five or six tunes to do a session. And I can do an album in two, in two sessions. And, I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, I, I remember... The last day I played, and I had Benny Golson when we did we, we did the the album, The Philadelphia Story. That's the album right before Kindred Spirits. And I remember that night, I got on my knees and I said, Thank you, God, for letting me be able to finish this album. It's the best I've ever played. I don't know if you ever heard The Philadelphia Story, the gospel as we know it. But we did 12 tunes. I wrote nine of them. And I had Benny Golson, Randy Brecker, and Lou Tobacken. Steve Gilmore and Bill Goodwin, and the album was really fabulous, and I got phenomenal reviews on it, and I felt my whole life turned around. Well, two days later, I had a pain in the stomach. I had a pain in the stomach, and I said, doctor said, you know, you better come in, let's take an x-ray. I took an x-ray, and they found out I had, it looked like a tumor. They said, we better take care of this and better see what it is well we went in they found out i had cancer i can't tell you what i went through i can't tell you what i said to god because i'll tell you something whatever i said to god he's probably never heard it from any person who was ever born in all of the millions of years that have gone by because i went fucking crazy because here i am getting my hands back to play and now I got lung cancer and I never smoked. I don't know what to do. I'm so fucking crazed. I can't believe it. So you know what I have to do? I gotta go to the hospital. I got told them, I got a chance, a good chance of dying in a year. I go to the hospital. I get treated for two years. I live in my living room. I spend 20 hours a day on a chair and I play. 15, 18 hours every day in my head. I never missed a day of practicing. I didn't sleep sometimes for six, seven, eight months at a time. Finally, I got rid of the cancer. Uh, right now, I'm on a new cancer, a new, 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 uh, uh, I'm in remission. I got a new drug now, and now I'm back recording again. So I just want to put that, that, that cancer beside me. Now I'm out playing. Now I'm feeling I'm feeling I'm beating cancer. I'm feeling I'm beating cancer. I'm recording as much as I can. This is why I got those guys in the rhythm section. This is what enabled me to get Phil Woods. I didn't know Phil. Phil took a chance and played with me. After I got Phil, I had my my publicist, Don Lukov, uh, make contact with um, uh, Luke Tobacco, 
uh, Randy Brecker and Benny Golson. Then I called them. I got them to record uh, the Philadelphia story. Then I said, listen, I want to play with Levano, Konitz, and Tobacco. He made contact with Levano, Konitz, and I knew Lou Tobacco was recorded before. And that's where I am now. So that's how I got where I am now. I fight every day. I fight every day. I take nothing for granted. Jimmy, given that you um, you have to really uh, you know kind of focus your energies to record at all, it must make choosing which tunes to record a very important part of making an album. How, how does a tune talk to you? How does a tune tell you here's one here's one that needs to get recorded? Okay, let's take a guy like Phil Woods. Phil Woods is probably you got to mention probably one of the best five alto players that ever played. Okay. I know how play Phil, how play Phil, how Phil plays. I know how he breathes. I know how he sounds. So the goal was to write three, four, five pieces of music for Phil. Because by writing for Phil, it takes me out of my shell of where I am. It enables me to learn by listening to other great players like that. So I tell them that I'm going to do this. I say, I'm going to do standards, but I'm also going to write original for you. And every time I wrote originals for them, no one ever turned down the original tunes. We went to rehearsal. I mean, we went to the, we went to the the, the uh, uh, studio. We had no we had no rehearsals. We would play the tune, play the charts and the standards, and that's how we play. I took tunes I, I thought would swing in tunes, you know, and that's 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 how I played. Uh, when I did four tunes for him, I wrote four tunes for him. I, if I did nine tunes on the album, I did five standards. Uh, when I then I did another album, I did maybe ten tunes. Uh, I wrote another four tunes for him. I did six standards. I took standards, and I always take standards that the great players have recorded because I want to be compared to the other players. I'm not going to hide behind original tunes. I only write original tunes to pay tribute to the artist who have enough faith in someone like me who they never heard play that said, yes, they'll play. And they play my work, and they're very appreciative to it. I did the same thing when I called Benny Golson. I said, you know, Benny, I, I called him in Cologne, Germany. He said, you know, I don't know who you are, but tell me a little bit about yourself. I said, look, Benny, I used to play. I lost the use of my hands. I just finished two albums with Phil Woods. Look, as far as I'm concerned, there are three or great four great writers in the world. There's Monk, uh, there's, there's, there's Horace, there's you, then the younger guy, Herbie. But as far as I'm concerned, the greatest living writer is, for me is Benny Golson. I want to do four, I want you to do four tunes with my trio. I would like to write three tunes for you as my tribute to you. And we'll do a standard. I'm going to call uh, Randy Brecker, I made him the same offer. I'm going to write four tunes. I'm going to do four tunes with him. Three, three originals, one standard. The standard I did for him was, you know, The Man I Love. 
then I wrote then I wrote Michael's Lament that I dedicated to his brother. So I did a tune for Michael. I wrote two tunes for Randy, one from for um, uh, Michael uh, called Michael's Lament. Then I did for him for him the standard tune, The Man I Love. Then I called Lou Tobacco on the phone. I said, Look, Lou, I believe you're a vicious player. So I'm going to write something for you to do. So uh, I wanted him to play flute because I think he's I think he's one of the greatest flute players in the world. So I wrote four tunes. I did two standards for uh, for Lou, and I do I did two originals for Lou. I did No Greater Love, one of the standards I did for him, uh, and then I did uh, two other. Um, uh, blues, uh, another blues tune. Then I did, then I did a, then I did a bossa tune for him. So this is how I pick out tunes based on, you know, uh, tunes that are standards because I want people to compare my playing to other players. I don't want to be high around originals, but I do enough tunes on the album so I have, I can pay tribute to the artists who have acknowledged me by playing for me and I can do tribute hopefully to myself and my tribute my, my trio by playing standard tunes album, uh, Kindred Spirits, I asked um, Don Lukoff, I said, listen, will you call Joe Lovano? And and he said, listen, Joe's in New York, why don't you go see him? I went to see him when he was playing with the, uh, one of the bands. I went to see him at Princeton. And he said, yes. I said, look, I know how you breathe. I want to write a ballad specifically for you. Life is worth living. I said, because I just got terrific news. I've been thinking I'm just going to die for the last two and a half years. Man, I lost 45 pounds, and I'm not dying now, man. I think I'm killing the cancer. So I wrote a tune called Life is Worth Living. It's a ballad for him. Then I wrote Just Friends, a standard tune that everybody plays. Uh, then I did uh, another tune, A Samba for You, which I wrote for Joe Lovano. 
than I did uh, a monk tune. Well, you needn't. So, you know, I'm not hiding behind anybody's tunes. I'm taking the standard tunes that everybody plays. And then when I called uh, Lee, I said, Lee, listen, uh, I want to write a couple of standards and a couple of originals for you. So uh, one of the tunes I did for him on the album, I Want to Be Happy, I took a standard. Then I wrote for him Lee Bassa, Lee Swing, where it's a, it gives me a chance to hear his beautiful sound and to hear him groove at the same time. So I have a, I have a mix of tonal tunes, modal tunes, bossa nova tunes, swing tunes, contemporary tunes, and everybody gets a chance to play. And, and we're not in one bag. And it's, 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 like a, it's like a concert. This is no rehearsing. I mean, we, we go there to play. Because everybody understands what the situation is. And when we're done, we make so much music. I mean, it's unbelievable. So, I'm, I'm so ecstatic that I haven't died. I'm supposed to be dying now. Jefferson Hospital told me I was going to die. Pennsylvania told him, Pennsylvania Hospital told me I was going to die. I was also told that the, the uh, uh, Fox Chase, he had a chance of dying. The only place that told me I was going to die is the University of Pennsylvania. And that's where I am now. And I'm on, I'm on new chemotherapy. And I'm fighting every day. I just got done finishing a trio album. Well, I did like 14 tunes off standard and a few originals. That's my best album. I just finished it. You know what? You know why? I'm trying to record as much as I can now. You know why? Because every time I go back and they say, we'll test you in nine weeks, it means I've got nine weeks left to find out if something's going to change on my goddamn brain, brain scan and, and, and my, my MRI. Because if things change, I gotta go to different, I gotta go to different, different chemo. And, you know, uh, this chemo I'm on now is helping me. It's, it's really helping me. It's, it's clearing up some of the tumors I have. God forbid if you have to change, then you're on another thing again. You know, so I, so I go in spurts. If I get nine weeks before I do something, I think I got nine weeks to live. Just between us. I'm just telling you. So I work my ass for nine weeks. I think nothing about doing this up my playing and writing. Then I go back, I get a, I got a new clean bill of health four weeks ago. Okay, I mean, I got five weeks left. And now I'm working five, I'm gonna work with my ass off for the next five weeks. Then when I go back, they're gonna say, come back nine weeks, 12 weeks, you know what's gonna happen? I'm gonna write another album. So I'm writing now. I don't wanna die the way, the way things happened. Because I never had a chance to play. I thought I was gonna die in nobody. I've been playing in my head all these years. And all the guys that heard me play were the guys from Woody's band, Count's band, Duke's band, Maynard's band, Ken's band. A lot of those guys are gone. And Charlie Ventura. Oh, I played with Coleman Hawkins, uh, you know, uh, Red Rodney, Al Haig, you know. Uh, those guys, are, they're not around anymore to speak for me. But now, I got seven albums now. I mean, now they can get to me. So, I don't think I'm, I'm going to die nobody now. Because they got a chance to hear that I can play. And I'll tell you something. I am playing better than ever. I am telling you that the trio album I just finished is the best I ever played. And you know what? I'm going to play better every time. Because I got no place to go. You know, 
and the place I'm going to go is not a place I want to go. And I'm fighting, and I'm studying every day. And what do I study? I study the concepts that I've written about. I've written two books for 40 years and been teaching two concepts. The foundation of jazz harmony. How the voice chords harmonize a melody, which is the foundation for improvisation, composition, and arranging. And I wrote a book on jazz improv. How to play it and teach it, which is based on my concept of tension and release. Both of my texts are based on creative concepts for jazz harmony, jazz theory, and jazz improvisation. You know what my concern is today? My biggest concern, I do not believe the way jazz is being taught today is a creative art. I think it's an imitative art because it's about imitation, copying, and sounding like, and playing like others. I don't believe in it. I don't, I don't work towards it. I just do my thing. And when you hear me play, you're not going to hear me play anybody. You're not going to hear me sound like anybody. Yeah, sure, I love Tommy Flanagan, Hank Jones, Wynton Kelly. Okay, and Bud Powell, probably the greatest of all players. I think he even played better than Bird when he was playing. But I don't sound like any of them. I never had the kind of talent that you hear the great players today have. But their talent is so great that that they use it in such a way that there something has always been emulated or being sounding like someone else. And you know, it's like it, it, it's like you know, in this world, you got guys who are talented. You got like one hundredth of one percent of all the musicians had that special talent. The other one hundredth of one percent don't. And those poor bastards, and I'm one of them, because I'm not talented. Believe me. Now I'll tell you something. I'll tell you this, and you can read about this. I can fight like a bastard. I fought a Lighthouse Boys Club, you know, 45 years ago and trained there. I played organized baseball for eight years and organized football for seven years. I played with Lee Alia, who managed the Phillies, uh, who managed, managed the Chicago Cubs. And I played ball with him. I played ball with a lot of guys that made the majors. I was a good ball player. I was all-conference in baseball. I played second base. I was all-conference in football. I played quarterback. But when I tore a conference to my, my left cartilage, my days were over. Then I broke my left hand three times in a fight, fighting. And I broke my right hand twice and fractured my right, my, my finger. So that's what my talent is. That I can do. The music wasn't my talent. Thank you. 
went to a conservatory. I went to, uh, I went to Brahms Conservatory for 10 years. And when I left Brahms Conservatory, I had no idea how to play. There was nothing to do. So I had a father who used to play on weekends. He had like six, six months of lessons. He would teach me about chords. And from that, I would learn from my father. And then I started to figure things out. And then when I'm here I am, after I leave Woody's band, I get the gig at the Copacabana. I'm living at the Astor. I think, I'm, I'm thinking that here I am, man, like 22 years old. I just leave the greatest, one of the greatest bands in the world. Uh, I got the trio at, 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 at the Copa. But my hands are killing me. One morning I get up, I can't get dressed. I can't get dressed, I can't tie my shoes, I can't put my socks on, I can't do nothing. So I get Kenny Belding, who is my drummer, who is Kenny Mathis's, he was, who was Mathis, Johnny Mathis' drummer. I said, look, I gotta give up this gig, I can't get dressed. I gotta go home to Philadelphia. So he got Hank Jones to take my place. Now, way back then, I had a chance, because I was really an up-and-coming player. But then 40 years went by, and nobody knew who I was until I started writing my textbooks, which came out in 1980. But I really couldn't play, because if you can't play, you don't get anybody's attention, until I did my first album, which came out in 95. Now here I am, and I was 60 years old. Now I'm 73, and I got seven albums out. And I got this trio album out. I mean, this trio album, you'll judge it, you'll hear it. It's me. It's the way I play. And I got all my chops. I offer no excuses. The fingers are sore. I work around. They hurt. I get. In, I got injections today. My my forearm collapsed. That's the way it is. You know. That's it. But you know what? They're going to get better because I will die playing. I am not sitting around. I am not. I'm not dwelling on anything. All I can think about now is moving to the future and playing. I got a lot of interviews coming up. I got some interviews in some magazines, major magazines. Uh, I, I got this other album, this new album with the trio that I'm going to be doing. And I am moving forward. I'm writing every day. I think, I hope, here's how I start my day. If I'm up at 7 o'clock, the rule is this. I can't get out of bed until I play four hours in my head. I play from 7 to 11, sometimes 7 to 12 in bed. I play in my head. Can't touch the piano, but I know where everything is. I do my exercises, then I do 500 sit-ups in the morning, then I get out of bed. Then if I want to write, I'll go to the computer, but I can't practice the piano. The only time I go to the piano is when I want to check things out, and I want to prepare to see what fingers and what doesn't hurt, what hurts and what doesn't hurt. If I find out what hurts, I will get some injections, and I'll take two or three months to get better. But sometimes I may have to play 10 or 15 minutes. You know what? I bite the bullet. But when I go to the studio, nobody knows I have a problem with my hands. Nobody talks about my hands. That's not, in, that's not what it's about. Playing for me is enjoying myself. Because anything less than that, I would be insulting the people I play with and the people who would buy my CDs. So I'm out to play the best I can and do the best I can. So I don't have a handicap. I was a little taken back when uh, uh, 
downbeat put that in the magazine that I had lung cancer. And, and I know the guy who wrote the article is a good writer. He said, look, uh, I was asked uh, if we could put this in the magazine uh, because I know it is history. So what am I going to say? I said, okay. But you notice when I, did a, when I did the picture of this album, I told my wife, listen, I'm going to take a picture with a tuxedo on because I don't want anybody to see me or think that I'm sick because I am not sick. When I sit down at that piano, I'm not to take that fucking piano's head off. Well, it's, a, it's an amazing story, Jimmy, and uh, I thank you for taking the time to, uh, to share it with us. And uh, my guest is Jimmy Amade. He's got a brand new album called Kindred Spirits, and he's got a new trio recording on the way, as we just heard, in January of next year. And, uh, Jimmy, it's been a pleasure uh, he- hearing your story, and I thank you for taking the time to do it. Thank you so much for calling. That's music from Jimmy Amaday and his trio's album Kindred Spirits, featuring Lee Konitz, Joe Lovano, and Lou Tobacken. I'm Jason Crane. This is The Jazz Session. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. You'll find every episode of the show for free at TheJazzSession.com. And also, if you go to uh, TheJazzSession.com, in the upper left corner, you'll see an example of the widget, the Jazz Session widget. Uh, You'll find it on all the pages of All About Jazz, and you'll find it on many other websites, too. And if you'd like to put it on your website, just click on the widget, and you'll see a thing that says Get the Code, and you can paste that onto your website or um, into one of the WordPress sidebar widgets, that kind of thing. And if you do that, please let me know via the contact page at thejazzsession.com because I will mention you in an upcoming newsletter. The Respect Sextet, who have a new album out called Farcical Built for Six, recorded the theme music for this show. I highly recommend their new album. It also has uh, liner notes written by my good friend Jeff Rabel, whose brother Dave Rabel designed the logo for the Jazz Session. So it's all one big incestuous jazz thing. Thank you so much for listening. Please go out and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. 
listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.